International. But I don't. I it's don't know not. If I is like, that a cure or is it just a prevention technique? Yeah. yeah. But now it's like. If well, I. Oh. Yeah. If I like kill every bug in my house, is that a cure or is it just? Say you got no more bugs. <laughs> I don't know if we should compare people with Down they, syndrome to bugs. I, so what? So people like with the Down syndrome advocates or whatever are saying that we should have. Some it's, Down syndrome it's, people. We, well, there's these uh, Facebook videos going around. They're being shared like heart. Heart-wrenching Down syndrome speaking to Congress will tear your heart out and make you, you know, trans or whatever. Yeah. And so you watch the video, and it's like an autistic guy being like, these new, you know, measures are... No calling my people. You can't can't say that this isn't playing God, or you're... Yeah, 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 you're literally telling us that we have issues, and you're killing us. But then there's party that's like, I mean... Dude, they used to just throw babies off of a cliff if it, they had like a cleft palate or whatever. Like, yeah. is this, yeah. this, this is just a better, much better version of it. Oh, is that what happens in there? Yeah, they used yeah. to just punt them off of all the time. So yeah. this is, and anyway, what I do think, first of all, there's still like poor countries where they're still going to get born, but yeah. um, I feel like we could just have a system where we just like a few people have them because it is kind of pleasant whenever they... <laughs> You know, you see them we and they're, they're all happy and stuff. Yeah, we do need entertainment. They you can are, brighten your day, right. yeah. Jeez. I've always wanted to get a Down syndrome person high, so I don't want to miss out on that, you know? There's, that's, oh man, see, I'm not, if, if this was, some, well, some yeah. of, one of us should have a laptop so we could immediately look that up and see if there's a video I don't of that. Know. It's kind of like, just like one of those other forms of like, almost like ethnic cleansing where it's just like we will keep our bloodline pure yeah i really i mean there's i really don't know which side of the i feel like i know which side of the debate i'm on but then there's also like yeah that is just that's that is uh i mean uh, eugenics i think it's i think it's the i think it's like the mother's choice right like as long i think the doctor's duty is to inform them they're like hey this is it and if the mother chooses either way then that's the way it is yeah if we're serious about choice then it shouldn't just be it's like oh you're allowed to abort if you didn't happen to want a kid but you're not allowed to abort if you're like oh i don't want to raise a down syndrome kid like of course it's yeah i mean that's that's where my logical part of my brain is like definitely definitely but then there is that weird slippery slope if i was voting i would vote yes you should absolutely be able to abort your kid if for any for any, any reason, reason. <laughs> really yeah, i don't just because you're not feeling it you should well, be able to well, people always say like <laughs> slippery slope to yeah. like blue eyes or, or or if they're gay or whatever and i'm like look if someone doesn't want to have a gay kid 
maybe it's better if they don't have one. <laughs> Gay yeah. kids not going to have a great life if, you if their force mom force someone to wished, raise a child. Yeah, They're the probably only, not do a good job. Only the law stopped her from aborting you. Uh, yeah, so just um, like the, there's nothing wrong with a kid being like 14 years old and being like, I didn't choose you either. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Want, I'm out. <laughs> Tap out. Yeah, no, suicide should also be you know, <laughs> largely accepted. I mean, that's the problem. Sure. By the time you're 14, maybe you don't know whether or not you're going to enjoy life that much. You know, you shouldn't be allowed to kill yourself until you're what, 21, 25? What do we think? Uh, I, I want to say 25 because college years can be rough for people. Yeah. Sure. And you, usually you start to see mental illness occur right around those early 20s. Yeah. So like you should at least figure out whether or not you're going to be schizophrenic or anything. I think you should not be able to get a tattoo or kill yourself until 25. You should be able to start mm. drinking at 18 Killing yourself at 25. <laughs> I feel right. like a lot of those activities are intertwined, though. True. Or, ca- what is it, causal? Is it rather causation. Than causation rather than affectation. Yeah. That's not the same. <laughs> yeah. No, affectation means something else. Yeah, that's when they're acting like emo and suicidal, but they mm. don't really mean it. That's Yeah. It's just that whole, like, it gets better thing. Yeah. 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 See whether or not it's going to get better for you. Maybe it won't. And then you should just probably kill yourself. But for sure. Give it a fair, (laughs) give it a fair shake. Also, I think there should be a council that decides who has to kill themselves. We should all go around. Ooh. See how much cool stuff you've done. You haven't done any cool stuff within the past couple of years. Yeah, once overpopulation gets to be that big of a problem, I want to make it to... clear that that I was joking about yeah, that. No, Jesus no. Christ! <laughs> Jesus. I don't know. I feel like social media is trying to like weed people out in its in its weird way. Yeah, I'm not sure that they're doing the greatest job. So we should probably be the ones to decide. Yeah, yeah this table of people right here. We're responsible. And let's start calling names out. <laughs> Who are we calling first? <laughs> Gingers. No? All right. Mm, I Fine. don't know. I feel like people think they're worse than they really are. No, I'm... A lot of people are really into gingers, so... I don't want to hurt those people. You, oh, you don't want to do it to help the gingers? You want to do it because you don't want to hurt exactly. the people Exactly. I know some people are fe- have a fetish for gingers, listen, so wanna, we'll spare we you for that. God forbid we kink shame on this. <laughs> yeah, we don't when kink we shame When we decide who we're killing, mm-hmm. you know, we decide yeah. what groups we're genocide. But I mean, we could make we them into sex shame. slaves purely instead of letting them roam free. That is a happy middle ground. Thank you. Yeah. I'm all about compromise and bipartisan <laughs> solutions. That's so. why you're good at relationships. Thank you. Mm-hmm. That's why you have this sex advice podcast. And let's get some of those emails up, Ethan. How about that? I'm ready to answer some questions. Yeah, I bet we can, you know, I bet we can find some um, some questions. Have you ever questioned your own sexuality, Enzo? Uh, not oh. really. I've been, I, I definitely believe in like no black and white. There's definitely, I, I believe no in blacks, like the, no white. Yeah, yeah. A... I believe I just want to date Asian people. <laughs> Penis, vagina, uh, just as long as you're brown. Yeah. No, I, I mean, like, I, I definitely am a believer yeah, in the, the gray area, you know, more way of thinking. All right. So, have you ever touched a penis besides your own? I think so. He squints into the distance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it was always, yeah. It was always for, for jokesies. It was always for... <laughs> no, for serious. Yeah, yeah. I think I held someone's dick while they peed once. What were they doing with their hands? Texting. Nice. And laughing. <laughs> so was this your way of being like I just I'm curious about holding a penis once and in case this is the just only way I can it, yeah yeah I see if it was like mine see if it like feels the same or yeah yeah I mean my uncle was really busy that day 
<laughs> I just wanted to make sure he didn't get fired. He had to yeah. send some business texts. Yeah. Shoot you know, I'm quick. eight, so what else am I doing? Yeah. So it's when you like were eight, you, is this real, though? That no, we, no, no, no. Um, I, I did help. I think, I want to say I have touched my friend Eric's dick before, but I can't remember the exact context. It was definitely, I know for a thousand times I've grabbed dicks over the pants. Just as mm, like. Yeah, a thousand times. A scale of one to ten, how averse are you to giving a blowjob? Well, oh, I was actually having this conversation with uh, Amber Bixby last night. Funny. Where I was like, it is. Uh, we, I settled on, I would put my mouth on a penis for three grand. Mm-hmm. But then I also have to acknowledge how just stupid that is because how many, I know so many women who've done it for no money. And yeah. it's like, it really is just that that stigma. But I mean, you know, I was raised in that stigma. So, it, it's, so but, but you don't, 2000, you wouldn't do it? I. I don't know. <sighs> that sweet FBIA money still hanging around in the bank account. Yeah, you know, I am unemployed. I did uh-huh. just get laid off. So, yeah, so I would bargain nice, down. Nice so guys, dental benefits. Those maybe. rates are, yeah, if you can give me Cobra, I will. Uh, touch your, uh, and this is just touch your, touch a penis with your mouth. You didn't even say like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're just talking about, about a little completion. Rest your lips against it. Yeah. There's yeah, a huge and listen, price I, difference for me between those activities. Yeah, if you're coming in my mouth, that is a that, oh, that's, that's a hard. That's, that's going to at least double the. the oh, price. double is not the correct proportion there. It's. I'm it's, saying at least double. Yeah, I would say. I, yeah, twenty thousand. I, I, there's no. Yeah, there's no. But, but yeah. I would be a lot low. I would probably uh, touch penis with my mouth for like five hundred dollars if I'm being honest. If if it's like sure. a for a second, but then it's yeah. So there's a scale from five hundred to about twenty thousand. But see, then how insulting is this to you, Brett, who's put penises in your mouth for but nothing? But she's attracted to penises. Yeah, you know, just for shits and giggles. You know, I got nothing to do in the morning. Sure. Right up in there. Yeah. I so gotcha. it, Although my, it is inherently degrading to touch a penis with your mouth. Uh, I mean, According if you, to if the you, feminism yeah, classes but I But it's like, if, if you overthink, like... If you look at any part of sex too closely, it's gonna it's gonna be weird and it's True. gonna be uncomfortable and degrading. It's just like have put a their few drinks in your mouth and yeah, get, yeah. find a quaalude and have enjoy. Oh, never mind. Okay, yeah, it's so hard to find quaaludes these days. That's what I heard in the Wolf of Wall Street movie. That's what he said. It's weird. Whenever I talk to anyone over the age of fifty. They're always like, man, you guys don't even know real drugs. That's what they said. You guys don't know Quaaludes. Quaaludes were the best. Because you could just get them over the counter if you were just like a housewife who was tired. Yeah. Tired. Tired. Yeah, because they help you go to sleep, right? If you don't. Yeah. Man. Tired of having sex with that husband? Yeah, can't if these Please. if these people are making meth, can't somebody just figure out how to make a quaalude? It can't be that hard. It had to just be like an opiate or something, right? Mm-hmm. Surely. Hey, if you're listening here and you are like sciencey at all. We've got a great business idea for you. Why? No, you've got the you could corner the market on quaaludes. Actually, be careful because that's how little peep died. Homemade quaaludes. Oh, yep. okay. Well, we do need you to be like a smart scientist, not like a backwoods. Ethan did yeah. just kiss some, his fingers and point to the sky. Just yeah, just some just, Walter White level. Yeah, we the need, purest quaaludes. We need a high school science teacher that level. Yeah, that yeah. level of science. Someone who really knows what they're doing. Someone who's like Someone a football who's a coach. Yeah. Someone who could explain to me what a Bunsen burner is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Someone who sense. half the semester is just explaining how not to burn yourself. Yeah. That's, Someone who owns safety goggles. I feel like we didn't use Bunsen burners as often as I would have liked us to, and I think I would have yeah. enjoyed science a lot more. 
Yeah, because kids love playing with fire. Yeah. We did dissect a lot of stuff, but... Oh, one time in fifth grade, we dissected squids, and then the teacher brought his own little fryer, and then when we were done dissecting them, he just made calamari with it. Are you serious? It was a good day of class, yeah. Because I feel like usually they're all formaldehyde and stuff. No, no, he just went to Central Market and bought some squids or ATV. So he was just finding a way to use the budget that they were giving him in order to get Presuming that they even gave him money, because a lot of teachers have to buy their own supplies, so he's like, I might as well get a free... (laughs) Shout out of it. Write it off of my taxes. Shout out Mr. Springer. Mr. Springer, you sound awesome. You sound better than all the science teachers I ever had. If any of my science teachers are listening, fuck you. I hated science uh, throughout all of school because you guys sucked. Yeah, I had a science teacher call me a a dyke once in the middle of class. What? (laughs) Well, to be fair, what were you doing or saying? Yeah, were you bidding out how much it would take to put your mouth on a pussy? sitting there in class and he was explaining like rivers and fjords and, and then he goes and dykes and then he goes like like brett and then the whole oh, room erupted in laughter yeah. Man, i could he see got that. your ass and dude. i was just sitting there and i had nothing to say remember back in the good old days when teachers could just make le- homophobic lesbian jokes about random students and it was fine with everyone Oh, we miss those times, don't we? <laughs> How much money would you pay to be able to go back in time and when he said that, just call him, drop a big F-A-G word yeah. in his face? Because <laughs> oh, that the cla- that's the only way the class would have then stood up and been like, whoa, Brett wins. <laughs> she said the best slur. Yeah, oh, it is man. the best. Really Brett outslurred you. Yeah. No, I did tell, on a separate occasion, I did call another student's mom a that she looked like a dog. She looked oh, like a bitch good. dog. And that got a laugh, too. So, it, karmically, I feel like it evened out. Okay, nice. you're paying it forward. That's yeah, all you, that matters. Yeah, you, you always... That's what... You kick the abuse downwards yeah. until eventually someone develops a drug problem. A cycle. Yes. Yeah. Okay, good. It flows downstream. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Good. Okay, well, Enzo, we've had you on this uh, podcast before, sort of, because you came on with the gross lonely boy, your gross yep. lonely boyfriends. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so we learned some things, but I was going back and listening to that episode, and I feel like, you know, there's a lot more that we could learn about you. We were just talking open mic stuff then. Talking, yeah, and now you're, you're a big boy. How many shows a week do you think you do? Um, two or three on average, I'd okay. say. Okay, cool. So closer to two. How many nights a week are you now doing comedy? Probably four. Okay, good. Because I remember before we were joking around about how you um, were averaging, you know, one a week or something. Yeah, so now- yeah. Yeah. Well, this week's not been a good week, but the past month I've probably done four nights a week, four nights out of a seven day week on stage. That seems healthy. In some capacity. Was it just FPIA that like kind of made the switch or you just like decided to buckle down and like go out more? And oh, start? it was definitely FPIA. I got started getting booked on shows. And gotcha. So for our listeners who don't know Enzo, he won the Funniest Person in Austin contest this May. And um, so uh, so ever since you won that, you would say, I mean, you certainly you get booked more on shows around town and everything, right? Yeah. Before FPIA, there I just would there was three shows that would book me once every couple months. It was Chorta Portal, Buzzkill, and then uh, Chuckle Bucket. So as I reminded you on the last episode, I tried to book you on my show, and oh, you yeah. were out of town. Well, okay. Well, well I mean, the they would book me regular, like once every couple months. Okay. 
And then after FBIA, I mean, it was definitely... Everyone just started messaging. Yeah. A lot of shitty shows. A lot of good shows. That's how we all do it. Yeah. A lot of people with shitty shows do not realize that they're running shitty shows. Oh, absolutely Have no idea that you're like, oh, I'm doing you a favor. I get it. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, All right. It's also... I. I don't know how you could be in that mind. Some of those shows are so bad. How do you get up there every week and you're like, it's getting better. All right. We're having, everyone's having fun, right? Why do people keep canceling last minute? I can't figure that out. Well, and I keep seeing flyers for a few shows where it's like the lineup is so atrocious every time. (laughs) And I'm like, are you serious? Like you, like it's not hard to book good comics in this town. Even if you aren't really paying or paying much or, you know, there's a free drink or it's, or it's North or something. It's like, you could still get good comics if you just, ask good comics why are you only asking these garbage people well it's like i think it's like maybe it's partially ignorance like i feel like maybe some people don't know to ask yeah or they don't like maybe no one sat them down and be like do you know that you could be doing better right do you know there's room for growth even yeah sometimes i, I wonder if people just don't have good taste but that, that's that's definitely part of it i see we're starting to go I don't want to say starting. Maybe we're having a wave of more of the L.A. model of doing shows. Uh, When I was out in L.A. a few months ago, uh, I heard this complaint from numerous people and definitely observed it myself where it's so hard to get stage time there to get booked on any show, you know, because there's 100,000 people trying to do the exact same thing you're trying to do, that people will get frustrated a month into starting comedy and be like, you know what? I'm going to start my own show. And then... Mm they'll since that's the only way they can get stage time is doing 30 minutes yeah. you know in a pf changs yeah. that they'll just keep the show going and keep you know what what look at these other people who've been cheated by the system i'm gonna put them on my awesome pf chang show yeah. and it, it'll the show will just keep going because that's the only way they're not getting on any open mics they're not getting on booked they're now they're getting booked in their people have been doing that shows. here for a couple of years really i feel like uh, a year ago and, and I think, you know, it's definitely due to the explosion of comedy. It used to be, you know, if you... there, I feel like shitty shows would last two or three months, and mm, then people disappear. would be like, all right, fuck this. Never mind. Yeah. And I feel like now... But I, I, I feel like people definitely have a pessimistic view. I'm saying now as in it, it'll probably go back. It'll probably balance itself back out in a, a few yeah. months, I think. Yeah, I that that mentality of let me put on other people who are being overlooked. I'm like, yeah, if they're being overlooked, excellent. But it, number one, some of them aren't being overlooked; they've been looked at. Um, but but two, it's like even if you have some people who've sort of been overlooked and you who do have some talent, you can have a show with one or two of those people. But if they've been overlooked, that also does mean that they're not going to have as much sta- you know stage time under sure. their belt and it's the yeah. stage presence. or like a polished yeah even five or six minutes. So your show should be built with a range of people, some who have been doing it for a while, who are you know really good established, and then yeah, have some newer people on there. But when the whole lineup, I've just seen like a handful of flyers over the past few weeks where I'm like the whole. <laughs> lineup is just oh, people yeah. who i would not book Straight yeah but then it's up. being booked by someone who I, yeah has done like three open mics and you're like all right all right i guess that's i hope you're... this goes away because oh. the other thing is like 
You're also just turning people off to comedy. Like when right. someone yeah. unsuspectingly views your show and they're like, this is local stand-up? Right. Oh, this sucks. And I care so much about this scene and our reputation and like gaining fans to Austin comedy and having people respect it that I, yeah, the fact that shows are out there just sucking like that I just I, bums me out. I always feel that like comedy though is kind of like self-cleaning like a vagina, you know, it just like, it <laughs> just naturally those things will start to... I want to yeah, ask yeah, about yeah, self-cleaning really vaginas though because I've heard that and yet i'm not sure if they're fully self-cleaning have you ever dug up in there like the day after the day after you thought your period ended yeah yeah, yeah. it but seems that, like chunks it's well no that's the but after the chunks it seems like they're not, I, I don't know they're just not I, as clean as i would have wanted it to be yeah but is that like i don't know if it needs it so much as i psychologically needed just to make sure you know mm-hmm. just rooting around in there do you really do, how Give do it you a nice polish how do you clean up in there do you just, just use your hands yourself, yeah. your fingers yeah kind of just like put soap on them or no, no you're not supposed to use soap. just water they you're do. not supposed to use soap because it it's like bad pH. for you. the ph is yeah real. Uh. supposedly you can use the summer's eve stuff but i've heard that's bad for you too yeah i mean there's a lot of uh like products out there for women that they try to sell to them make you think you need them but they actually kind of just make things worse and then you have mm-hmm. to buy more to kind right. of uh cover up what it initially so did you kind of finger fuck yourself with some water like yeah. a few times just in a row just spritz it up there yeah when, yeah. I'm tr- what i want to know is okay if i go if i wait till like day four after my period and then i check it out i want to know like has itself cleaned by then am i just like expediting the process or will it fully clean itself I mean, I think I think you're going to need to run a series of tests. You're going to need to be like a control time where you That's wait. That's what I'm saying, yeah. And this is all, I mean, we're still in the metaphor about comics, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, you is, get all, what I'm this saying. is all directly yeah. applicable to the, what we the were The douche about. is us telling people to quit or yeah. I don't know. Sometimes, maybe we are those fingers. Maybe we're that little extra. Yeah, you want to be the finger, not the douche. Exactly. Mm, be the finger, not the douche. Yeah. So that's what, I'm, that's what we're trying to do with this podcast. We're hoping people listen, and then they're like, oh, I've been booking shitty comics. I'll stop doing that. Yeah. <laughs> You've been fingered. You've been fi- Yeah, thank you. You've been yeah. fingered. <laughs> All right. What's up, finger fucks? Yeah, we finally have... Okay. Um, so we really wanted to have you on to talk about like your writing process uh, for jokes, because I've tried to ask a number of people. It seems like people are so vague about it, but you seem like someone who must have a fairly... Sh- not straightforward necessarily, but like a fairly defined approach to writing, just judging based on like the way your jokes are structured. It seems, it seems like you clearly like work them out um, ahead of time and then, and tweak them over time and stuff. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not much of a write on stage person. I'm hoping to be, to get better and at doing that, but it's much more, unfortunately uh uh scripted more than you know i much more premeditated than yes. I, I i feel like that's a less fun way to write i enjoy the rare times when i get to say something on stage just to like ad lib something i'm like oh shit that worked definitely remember that yeah good thing i'm recording this but <laughs> i'd say a vast majority of it is yeah just sitting down and writing so what's your writing process like? So uh, I started like wanting to do comedy because I really like telling stories and stuff. And I, I feel like I haven't really gotten too far away from that. I'll, I'll still, I still write very much from my point of view. Uh, I don't have a lot of like 
commentary or observation. Well, let's just bits. very literally. Do you, are you sitting down at a coffee shop or at home? Or yeah, yeah. So, so, so. Sorry, I, I'll base. I'll usually think of like, oh yeah, I remember. Uh, you know, that time my brother said Legoland was gay, and then I'll like sit down and I'll write out bullet points of that story. Like, what were the important events in that story to understand the like arc? Mm-hmm. of that story where's the conflict what's the misunderstanding blah 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 and that's I'm not even trying to make it funny at all I'm just trying to get from point A to point B with the story and then from there I'll, I'll stand up and just start s- saying it out loud as embarrassing <laughs> as that room. is to admit yeah oh, and totally. just start trying to figure out where's the funny words in there what's what's the con- what what's the you know funny misunderstandings that may have happened or blah 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 and then I'll usually get that to where it's way too long and there, there's I'm trying to pack too much into it. Mm-hmm. And so then I'll go to Cold Town and Cold Town Monday night open mic and I'll, I'll try it twice there. And usually from there I can figure out which parts are worth diving into and which parts are worth cutting out. Mm-hmm. And I have a, a like dumb rule I have for myself in my, my little notebook that when I, I write the story down word for word, mm-hmm. and if there isn't a laugh within the first page, that I, I know I have to work on that. Because I feel like if you can't get a laugh within the... You need to bring people in, I, f- I feel like. Uh, yeah. And so that's my little rule, is if I, I don't have a laugh on the first page, it, it definitely, the, the bit is not done yet. And then I don't want more than a page gap between... How you big know, is your laughs. writing in these pages? So seems it's like one it of those be... little pocket. Oh, okay. I was like, it seems like it should be more than one laugh. Yeah, page. yeah. I'm sorry. This isn't a good, <laughs> useful <laughs> it's unit. It's if anyone's actually trying to learn to use my very ineffective <laughs> yeah, process, your ledger, my stupid <laughs> process. But I have one of those little moleskins that people put in your stocking on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you might go on a Monday and do some new material, and then on Tuesday, would you then try it again? Tuesday, I'll try it again at Cherrywood, and then from there, I'll have a good idea, like, okay, this doesn't serve any purpose to be in the story. Mm-hmm. This needs to be, this avenue needs to be going down. I'm losing people around here, so maybe make it clear with this wording. I'm repeating, a lot of times I'll find myself repeating a word too many times mm-hmm. to where it becomes, you know, unappealing to hear someone say, you know, in hindsight, right. you say in the phrase in hindsight, I, yeah. I like to use different words every, every, every time. time I yeah, you get those diminishing like returns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. for sure. And so then, and then by that, then if it, what I really love is so I'll get a host or a feature weekend at CAP. I can do it, you know, six times in a row. Mm-hmm. And then with that, I can definitely like uh, dial it in and start adding some funny stuff. That or, or if I get booked on a lot of shows. I've, I've recently started just saying fuck it. And if I'm on a show that's not super important, mm-hmm. just running new stuff at shows. Totally. Mm-hmm. And it's better because uh, you have a better audience so you honestly it's definitely a better more. litmus yeah but it's not it's i wouldn't say it's ideal because 
I don't know, you have a chance of fucking your whole setup and making the guy, whoever's booking the show upset. Yeah, but then you always have like fallback material in your head where you're like, okay, if this isn't going well, I'll just pivot to something. Definitely. If I, if I know I'm running a new bit, I'll put two or three established things before it mm-hmm. and then have a fallback in my notebook of like, if, thing, if things start going south when I start, you know, bashing certain groups of people <laughs> on this joke Let's i love definitely... your new gay bashing joke by the way oh it's thank so you i've really worked hard on that yeah um okay it so is you... funny I, I in that that vein of like joke writing uh, sorry if this yeah. is where you wanted this to go but i have always looked at it as it's like a weird certain jokes are like a weird puzzle you have to figure out and i very much like that problem solving aspect of it and the best example I have is I have that joke, or I have a joke about my friend correcting me about the right way to eat sushi, and I talk about how, well, the the chef, I don't think really cares, because, you know, we're at a not-that-great restaurant in Austin. and But the, the reveal is, you know, the chef is yelling into his cell phone in Spanish. Yeah. And my, my thought process of that literally stemmed from, all right, I want to make this racist joke right. about, hey, a Mexican guy shouldn't be making sushi. That's not, literally all that <laughs> joke Mex- is. It's just a Mexican guy doesn't give a shit. Yeah, it, yeah, it's a really awful, you know, really uh, regressive joke, but it's, my, my little thought process is, how do I trick an audience into going along with me saying this yeah. very bad Speaking thing? Speaking Spanish yeah. is a way to make and it And so acceptable. then, yeah, you flip it and you make them do some work in their head. Yeah. And then that, I feel like... So I, 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 I don't know if you were joking about the gay bash thing, but there are several times when I'm like... All right, how am I? How am I gonna? Where? What's the Rubik's cube but I need see, to twist to make say, it? You say you're just like, oh, I'm making this racist joke. To me, it's more of even like a commentary on, you know, we have all these pretensions. Yeah, maybe your friend just watched the Vice documentary, like you say sure. in the joke. Um, but we have these pretensions. Wherever you learn something, some kind of class class signifier, like how to eat sushi, mm-hmm. and then you want to put that on other people. So we have this this white guy, presumably. Well, your friend could be anything. Absolutely, sorry white. for yeah. <laughs> um, but we have this friend who is like being pretentious about uh how to how to properly eat sushi and whereas you're like look at the situation we actually have we have an immigrant from a poor country who's come over here to you know makes this this restaurant doesn't care it's not authentic we have appropriated the sushi thing into there's like so much going on that that's not yeah this isn't just you making you know a casual racist remark yeah because it's not derogatory it's like more like you're just trying to show how hypocritical the whole thing is you're like you and this this Mexican dude or whatever this Honduran or or Spanish (laughs) fellow um, you're all in this together. You're like, dude, I'm just trying to eat, you know, like reasonably priced sushi. He's just making some. Yeah, this isn't. If you are at Uchi, yes, we should probably be for sure um, doing that correctly. But this isn't like high quality enough to be pretentious about. And I think, yeah, to me, it's more of a camaraderie thing between you and the chef than um, than you making fun of him in any way. Yeah, and I agree with that. But if I if I did a show you know on campus at a coffee shop and phrased it differently if i was like listen we don't need to follow these rules the, the chef's a fucking mexican yeah yeah it's, especially he's a fucking yeah <laughs> it's definitely the same the it's a similar a idea illegal yeah. yeah the chef is mexican even though i say fucking mexican it's true it's like it's still the same idea but that's definitely gonna that wording right. is gonna and i've only gotten called racist once for that joke and i've told that joke i think i've been telling that joke for like two years now mm-hmm. and so I've definitely gotten a lot more praise than 
Yeah, it's like, how can you drape this in enough context? <laughs> well, the word Mexican has become this trigger word for people where they're going to assess, wait, is that racist? Which is so fucked up because it's like, that's a country that people can be from. Yeah. But because of all this baggage, people, if they hear the word Mexican in this, you know, in a in a, uh, a young uh, liberal city like this, people are going to check around and be like, wait, is it okay to laugh before? And then yeah, that's like, bad like for comedy. Jews. Yeah, if you just yeah. say Jew or Mexican, people are going to be like, wait a minute. It's probably offensive. Let me like, let me think about it. What if it's the proper term? I'm not used to critical thinking, so I don't know. <laughs> but I don't know if this is fucked up to say, but that's kind of my favorite part of joke writing is figuring totally. out how to say something. To trick people. How to say something disagreeable or, or mm-hmm. not, not right, but cloak it. Mm-hmm. That will make people react positively to it. Right. Uh, God yeah. knows what that says about me. No, I think that's what most of us yeah. enjoy. Oh, okay. So I think that's just being a comic. Sorry. Any um, sneeze? Nope. All right, it's gone. So I think we have a pretty good handle on your process. I mean, it's like, so maybe like you, you kind of uh, suggested that you might have like a two week cycle of um, if you're, especially if you're at open mics or, or like less prestigious shows, you'll work through stuff for a couple of weeks, trying it and editing it. Yeah. I also don't want to downplay how much other comics help me. I, I definitely, I believe in asking for help or writing with other people totally. i feel like there's this weird point of pride that's like if someone gives me a tag i'll never use it because it's not for me baby and it's like <laughs> yeah i don't understand I mean, why, you're just trying to be an entertain i mean yeah definitely don't pretend it was your idea but i don't know i, I feel like that's a weird point of pride some people have right and Plus, it's what like, a bummer if someone suggests something to you that's a great idea yeah great and like, it like fills in a gap perfectly right why, if you why don't would use you not it, use that yeah i mean if you ever you know win an award and you want to try to thank everybody whoever gave you a tag feel free but don't don't not tell a good joke or tell a joke in the best way that you know how because i mean if it got to the point where like a a significant portion of your material wasn't yours yeah maybe for sure yeah yeah i I, I do maybe i should oh we just get a power outage we don't get power outages just light outages oh okay we're having a (laughs) Well, uh, it's all right. this, this podcast got a lot sexier. Yeah, leading uh, the blind. Now we're really blind. After dark. after dark. Are we going back to that fingering conversation? Oh, yeah. yeah. Wait, wait. Well, oh, I feel like I was getting at something. Yeah, you shouldn't. You're writing with other comics. Say that Take most th- of the time. Yeah, within reason. Yeah. Like one or two yeah. tags or something like that. Like I have a story. I, I haven't really done a, like a over five minute long story before. And I've been doing this one on stage. I've done it maybe four times. And I'm like, I feel like this, it, it's going well, but I feel like it could definitely be better. So I just straight up asked Aaron Brooks. I was like, can you listen to this and give me notes on like, what what should I get rid of and what mm-hmm. should I expand on? Uh, like when you hear it, because from your point of view, you understand where the story's going. It, it's really hard to put yourself in the point of view of a listener Who who's kind of like, be like, wait, 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 why are you doing, what's the motivation to do right. that? What's, yeah. why are you now running to this place? And so I feel like it's definitely really helpful to get someone who, especially Aaron Brooks, as he's, you know, known for being a great storyteller. Yeah, it's interesting. Your process actually sounds a lot like what he told us that he does. And if anyone hasn't listened to the Aaron Brooks episode, that is one of the best episodes. Um, not only does he kind of outline that story writing process, because that's a question, to, you know, there's the difference between how you tell a story to a friend and how you tell a story on stage that's a little bit Absolutely. subtle. But trying to figure out how to write 
for a story to not become stilted is a mm-hmm. difficult and that's something I wanted to ask you about because you for someone who is so so premeditated as you say um you never feel stilted on stage you never feel like you're just oh, like rehearsing that. you know what I mean the this material so it, how, did you struggle with that ever or um I don't know I uh I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that. I, I so maybe not. Maybe you never struggled with it. I I, I guess I I guess not. I okay. I'm still struggling with like figuring out. Uh, this might just not even be what you were asking, but like figuring out when to stop. You know, if something comes up, to stop during the script and and figure out mm-hmm. when it's okay to go off yes. what I've written, yeah. and then how to go back in I struggle with that every once in a while but in terms of presenting something as if as if it's the first time I've told it I guess is what you're kind of or just like it doesn't even necessarily have to feel like it's the first time you've told it but there's it has to feel like you're present that yeah. you're not just like a scared yeah, kid who's doing a oh, reciting oh okay I get what you're saying yeah 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 I've absolutely put effort into that mm-hmm. uh, I found there's a lot of uh, like body language stuff that if you do, you'll just in your head be more open. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah that makes sense. Like uh, you can kind of trick yourself into seeming more present in the moment. And it was definitely MK Paulson, like my first six months into doing open mics that was talking to me about it. He's like, yeah, you gotta, you wanna, I didn't, I never heard the phrase like be present with the audience. You're, you're with the audience, not just like doing a NPR storytelling thing over the radio for people to hear. Yeah. You're like, you're trying to create a moment. And I feel like ever since he told me that, I've, I've really put effort into trying to be like, hey guys, we're all discovering all this together. Come yeah. on. Woo. Yeah. We're Being done. physical definitely takes you out of your head more. Yeah. yeah. That's so interesting because, like, I've realized that because I know I want to move more on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've realized that, like, so one thing I did was my ingrown pube bit, I just moved to the beginning because that's one of my most physical bits, which is not even that physical, but for me mm-hmm. it is. And that got me just, just doing that and freeing my body up. I knew that it made me freer on stage, but I hadn't realized that that's also kind of a trick just to get yourself more present. Sure. Yeah. Any bit that has physicality to it. And it's also, I think, it also helps people heighten, too. Like, mm-hmm. something that normally, like, maybe got a bit of a laugh before, but you can use your own body as, like, emphasis of the joke, I guess, sort of. The reality is everybody loves physical humor. Some people True. love it more than others, but it always heightens facial expressions and movements, always heighten people's engagement. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you're, like, so tall and lanky, you got a lot of... A lot of room to play with. Yeah. I got a lot of stuff to work with. <laughs> and it can make you look more confident as well. And then it's all kind of a fake it till you make it thing. It's like you say, sure. like it's going to make you more present, make you more confident. But when you kind of pace back and forth, I could see that if you were standing still, just kind of like slightly hunched over into the mic being like, hey, blah, 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 blah. It, it's like, but it, because you're pacing, it makes it look like something that you're like, yeah, this is just me talking through these things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I made a made it sounds so silly to say out out loud but made like an effort to go to 
different points in the stage and look at people in the audience at those different points to be like to like kind of mm-hmm. bring everyone in and not just look like I'm looking at the back wall, which uh, is pretty you know beginner yeah mistake to make. But I still find myself putting effort to be like, all right, let's go over here now, and now yeah. over here we're gonna look at these people. They teach and you I to feel do like that. Doing working cap helps so much because that stage is so big right that it's you really have to kind of it, it it'd be really weird if you just stood up there holding the mic stand or i feel like in a lot of other places that wouldn't be out of the ordinary but cap where you have to like i know you got like yeah. a lot to play you say with that although like the other day at cap i did stay still because it's something i've been experimenting with yeah. is like actually leaving the mic in the stand um and and seeing how that is and so it's funny because just the other day but i do still feel especially on a big stage it feels feels like god i really probably have to move but i think i want to experiment with like okay leaving in the stand some then taking it out and moving around some yeah. and i think if you're just completely like it that makes it like where you're completely free yeah. every time with that experiment when you go to put the mic back in the stand <laughs> the, the host of the show is like oh shit 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 oh oh okay no 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 oh uh, yeah oh wait whoa, whoa, whoa. oh all right no no, no. Right. it's so great there's just a beautiful little moment of like whatever anybody's fumbling or like when the whole mic stand breaks apart it's just so beautiful yeah what's the best mic stand riff you guys have ever <laughs> i don't know. ever pulled off oh, i got my top 10 coming at you <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it sounds uh I definitely do also believe that I mean there's no right way to I'm just saying what what's worked yeah. for me. I don't want anyone to be like, "Oh, I shouldn't just leave the mic in the mic." Maybe. I mean, if, if it works, just Everyone's do it. A different style. But I'm just saying like, yeah, this is what I've Yeah, what like I've kinda... Mark Marin always just like sits on a stool the whole time. Sure. Which I feel like yeah, yeah then you're super locked in physically. You have to experiment. Yeah. Um, oh, let me say this though. If you're hosting the show, do not sit down. Yeah, <laughs> sitting on yeah. Unless you don't have legs, then please. If you're hosting up. the show, it is very important that you're up and moving <laughs> and, and active, creating an inter- Yeah, that is that's down. crazy. I've seen that once. Smoking a cigarette, <laughs> just yeah. So this next comic, I don't know. I haven't really heard of him, but we'll get him up here. And then you have to stand up. Ugh. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. It's um. All right. So, do you have a bunch of little notebooks and stuff? Yeah, I'll fill one up and then I'll get a new one. Stocking and stuffers. What do you do with an old notebook? I keep it around because a lot of the times I'll just write a quick idea mm-hmm. in it just on a random page and then I'll forget about it. And then when I go back through the old ones, I'll be like, oh, I completely forgot that I wrote that down. Totally. Maybe yeah. I can, you know, never actually use that, but be happy I found it. Yeah. Sometimes I'll go back and find things and then be like, oh my God, like I forgot that I wrote this, but this has become a bit. Sure. That's good. This is garbage what I wrote this time, but like it just means, oh, it's been, you know, percolating through your head for years and now it's. Yeah. Yeah. I found it's uh, equally important part of the writing process is figuring out when to just ditch a concept. Yeah. Which I don't know if I've nailed, but. Put it it away and maybe you'll be able to do it again in a year or two or something. Yeah. And I feel like uh, ditching a concept isn't necessarily a bad thing. I I kind of like to scrap like parts out of it where I'm like, well, but this correlation of like, you know, saying people who wear blue shirts love balloons, that got a thing. So maybe I can figure out how to fit that mm-hmm. in a future thing. And then when you're writing, it's like a good brain exercise. You can go back and be like, oh, I remember that 
this weird idea I had will fit in here, even though it didn't work in this bit. Maybe it'll work here. Totally. But yeah, I scrapped. I scrap a lot of bits. <laughs> well, I was just wondering about people's notebooks because, like, I have so many. I mean, God knows how many, twenty or or more. Um, and so when I go through, I like I would love to just go through them all. You know what I mean? I would love to just yeah. like yeah. get rid of all this shit and just like limit it down to some reasonable amount. Uh, but it's like going through them, like there's so many different kinds of notes and scribbles and something where you're like, ooh, let yeah. me save that. And I'm like, what, am I always just going to have a rotation of 20 plus notebooks in my life? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah maybe just on file. <laughs> just going to keep the growing? Ones just have, I don't want to tell you what to do, but I just have one I carry around and then I have the rest that are done just at my house. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then I know Ty, he when we had him on he was talking about how he had like a literal file cabinet and he he would sort his stuff into a b or c level material yeah Ah. and so he would try and put all like his really solid jokes would be in the a material so like even if you just went back and then started categorizing your own stuff yeah but then things can change and then all my notebooks are like just filled like there's not it's not that organized you sh- this is why you need an intern just to like scan it up to some, some cloud if anyone then- wants to be an unpaid intern i have a lot of work a lot of work for you to do oh, so yeah. please do uh, email just leading like the blind cloud podcast. You all your old notebooks <laughs> yeah i have so much work for you um yeah, I will give you vegetables if you're listening. Vegetables and eggs. That's all I can ever offer anyone. Sorry that it's the same price I'm offering people for their sperm. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to devalue. It's a good uh, It's a good little bartering chip. Eggs for but, sperm. Yeah, it's fair. like as long as you're contributing either free intern work or free sperm, uh, you'll get vegetables and eggs. Although I would say for, for the sperm donor, probably free eggs, eggs and vegetables for life. Ooh, so yeah. that's, that's a actually a better deal. deal. Just trying to just trying to butter people up here. Um, people with curly hair and good senses of humor. Um, okay. I apologize for texting. <laughs> You're fine. So I'm supposed to sell this lady a knife. And I think oh yeah. I don't know oh, what's going on. Oh, that cougar from Cap? Yeah. Yeah. She is into you. I was wondering about that. If you have a she, lot of cougars who No, then she was <laughs> buying it for her husband. Well, for yeah, Christmas. but that doesn't mean she's not into you. Oh. That Did seems she like a, seem like she wanted to murder her husband with a knife? <sighs> I didn't think about that. This is a love. Hi, I'm buying a knife. Oh, by the way, I'm married. Not happily. <laughs> she winking a lot every time she said knife. <laughs> yeah, it was a very conspiratorial. Causes, which chef knife causes the most blood loss? <laughs> <laughs> you know, these code words. I feel like that Whoa, like, cougars would be pretty into hemorrhaging. you. Do you find, is that your demographic though? Cougars? Yeah. No, but, oh man. Okay, I won't say his name because he'll be really mad. But uh, a, you'll know immediately, a good looking young comic in Austin <laughs> who's muscly and does improv. I he, know. One time we were talking and uh, it was after, uh, after that show in, uh, Georgetown. Oh, Juggle Bug. We were talking. Some some guy was like, "So what's it like?" You know, or some like someone who's in the audience came up to me in that comic and was like, "What's it like?" You know, after a show, you just hang out. Do you, is it cool? People just saying you did a good job. And this uh, guy I'm talking about was like, "You know, it's weird." You know, Enzo probably know. Or you guys probably know. And he pointed the rest of the comics. He goes, "I mean, after you do Cap, all these, you know." 
50-year-old women just come up to you and grab your ass and tell you about how hot you are and, and talk about how they want to have sex with you. And it's that's kind of weird. And we we're all like, that's never <laughs> happened to any of us anywhere. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. And that was the night he found out that that was just a just a him problem, oh. not a not a everyone problem. That's funny. Uh, you know. Yeah. No, not an issue for me. I've mm. never. Well, that one I had was a, coming I, on you. I was working with uh, a Ling on Mitra. I was hosting for him. And he's like an attractive looking Indian guy. And he would do the meet and greets after the show. And he had a, a special signal he'd get me, give me where I was standing in the back. And if he gave me the signal, I needed to come up and go, hey, Channing needs to talk to you about the next show. Because it meant someone was really touching and talking too much yeah not letting you go so i was like that's that's a pretty good system to have that's that's a good host duty is getting you out of weird yeah weird too touchy situations yeah yeah and i was a view i mean people would just come up to me and be like oh my god you're so fun and just like touching them all (laughs) over and be like oh god that's that is awful yeah that's interesting to have one of those looks that people want to touch yeah yeah well but no that that's cougar's Definitely not my demographic. Who would you say is your demographic? Who do you get the most laughs from, do you feel? Um, that's such a weird question. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people have theories about their demographics, but you don't think you've ever noticed a pattern. And granted, it is like pretty much the same group of people in the Austin comedy audiences, I feel like. like there's not too many demographics to choose from here. I don't know. Uh, I guess this kind of ties back to what we were talking to earlier. That sushi joke I was talking about. Sorry mm-hmm. to feel, act like this is the fucking Mona Lisa or something. <laughs> I just feel like I've. It's my long, maybe longest running mm-hmm. bit that I've done. So I've gotten a lot of weird information from it. Uh, when I do it in uh, anywhere in Austin, anywhere in Texas, when I have the reveal that the guy is Mexican, I consistently. That's like one of the bit, one of the rare bits I have that like I know this will produce a laugh no mm-hmm. matter what the audience. I did that joke every show I did in L.A. Mm-hmm. Not one time did I get a laugh from that line. People in L.A. hated that joke. That's Absolutely I hear hated. They have very that. sensitive audiences and there. Yeah, I guess, and I'm not saying like, oh, PC fucked up oh, my no. fucking joke. I'm saying like I, I just misread. Yeah, I, I that was a lesson for me. Be like, oh, okay, so Swip something's something's not mm-hmm. working here that's interesting and it's it, i mean consistently that joke i would say that line to complete silence and people just staring at me and be like all right uh <laughs> well let's dig out of this hole <laughs> that's funny i like that you kept trying it but like, even with super progressive audiences in austin i'll get laughs from that and chortle portal i'll get laughed but yeah but uh LA. I wonder if there's, it's more of about like the restaurant industry culture there than it's, it is about anything else. It's funny you say that. That's what Andrew Dismukes told me. He's like, well, people here, sushi is like a thing that's very different. And yeah. It's like, oh, I guess. Or do you have to like change it by region? Like if you were in New York, would it be like Puerto Rican? Like, do you think you would, maybe the fact that it's Mexican isn't relating <laughs> to the. No, because in LA, crowd. they would be very, I think that if anything, maybe they're like, if they're just so cultured that. They're like, yeah, I mean, how could you not be uh, using your fingers? Or You know what I mean? They're yeah, like, maybe from they're the so jump, beyond. they're like, wait, yeah, your they fingers They learned right. not to put wasabi <laughs> in the soy sauce when they were 12, and they're like, yeah, that's so so ignorant. Yeah. Even, even a Hispanic chef would be offended. <laughs> 
<laughs> severe unculturedness. Oh uh, yeah, I wonder if it's more that. Well, it's too bad. We, you know, you should have like you should. You ever ask audience members afterwards like what was going on about something? No. You should try that. Huh? Yeah. Like you can get you can get interesting information. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid of those answers. Honestly. Well, but it might be important to know. True. Um, yeah, well, Brett and I were talking beforehand. She was saying, she was wondering where your material comes from. Do you have any kind of process or is it so random or? Um, I usually, so typically I find it really obnoxious how sporadic my writing is. I wish I was more consistent, Mm. but I'll go like two months without writing anything new and it sucks and I get really mad at myself and I start feeling shitty and I'm like, oh, I've just lost it. And then, cons- I mean, like once every two or three months, I'll all of a sudden just have like three ideas come out at once. And I'm like, oh, shit, 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 shit. And yeah. I'll write them all down and then do those. And usually out of those three, I'll have one that's keepable. And then I'll go two or three more months <laughs> where I just start being one really frustrated at myself. Well, well, two or three yeah. or, or one or two, we'll make it through. Or I'll get an odd one every, you know, in that two-month period. But it, it's it's really bizarre. I don't know what what the catalyst is to all of a sudden have these ideas. I wish but, I could figure it but out. But it sounds like these are things that are just coming to you in the moment in conversation or... Yeah, whatever, yeah, right? in conversation or just sitting in my car. I'll try... I'll try yeah. yeah, I think a lot of creativity kind of just really comes out of boredom. <laughs> Yeah, yeah for well, sure. that's the weird thing is that, you know, like people always say like, oh, you should write every day or, you know, you should be more disciplined or, or they'll be like, I wish that I wrote all the time. Even good comics will say that. But then I'm like, yeah, but I feel like most of the best stuff comes from conversation or shower car thoughts. Yeah. Um, I think then sometimes it can be valuable to then sit down at the desk and brainstorm, uh, you know, the bullet points or what have you and make some connections. But I do think that like so much of this is just what, you know, in- inspiration. Sure. Yeah. I've never taken a bit on stage without first sitting in this chair I have in my room for an hour. Ooh, a thinking and, chair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And listening to music very low and writing those bullet points I was talking about out, at least having the bullet points or like a, a, just a basic outline of the story. Yeah. And then it'll help me to rewrite it again. And that way, like after I've done it a few times and that way I know where I can, I can write it with funnier language or, or I know what to get rid of or how to shorten it. Or yeah. I feel like I'm always on the chase to shorten things. Nick Savarino said, he, it's the opposite for him where people always say cut the fat out of a joke. He, he always says I'm, I'm building muscle. Out of a joke. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but, yeah. You cut the carbs. You want fat and protein. But I've, I've always found myself. It's, I always come with way too much information and then mm-hmm. how to file that back. Then how do you, uh, like through this process, when do you kind of like feel like it's cut and polished and like done? Or as done as it can be, I guess. Um, when are you like, the buck stops here? Definitely after like doing it at Cap for, you know, a hosting or a feature weekend and yeah. doing it, you know, that many times in a row. And if it's, you've got it to where there's no weird pauses and it, you know, works 
four out of five times or mm. every joke in it hits four out of five times then i'm like all right I, I don't need to worry about that joke anymore yeah yeah that's, that's the thing it's like you, that's what, what it really is you don't need to worry about it anymore but i don't you know it's like a joke is never done yeah no you can always definitely always just have weird like oh yeah we yeah that or yeah you just it's like it, it moves positions in the notebook or whatever sure. yeah. at once it's like oh this always hits moves up and ties file cabinet right yeah. yeah yeah it becomes it goes from c to b or b to a or whatever once i i mean that would be such a useful way to think of it but things are always in flux and like i said i i yeah. don't if i had like a one joke per page thing but then all my stuff will start flowing in together and then you know like how do you I plus it's imagine. like a lot of stuff too sometimes jokes get stale like fruit yeah. you know and it's not that you the writings change it's not that you're delivering it any differently it just is somehow not working anymore right. yeah i've had an issue i really the first time i guess i've i've really like been proud of a bit has been this bit i wrote about carrying a gun mm-hmm and I feel like I've gotten a lot of uh, good responses from it and stuff. Um, but I have noticed that every time I try to do it, if it's too close to a mass shooting, it doesn't. It turns audiences <laughs> off. You have to give it two weeks after a mass shooting before Ooh, I can do that. Narrow time windows. In this yeah, no, year. for sure. Yeah, I'll only get it. I can get that joke in once every you know couple weeks. And well, that's an exaggeration. I'll do it, you know. But <laughs> there's like a 36 hour window that happens. Once yeah, you just get like yeah. a Google alert. You're like at the countdown oh, starts fuck. now. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah, I have noticed a weird pattern where people definitely do not want to hear my gun bit if there's been a mass shooting. Well, they shooting probably recently. get in their heads thinking like, oh, is he going to make some commentary about guns? Yeah, you know, once people are like, oh, is he going to be political? What opinion does he have? Is it going to be okay? Am I going to agree with him? I think that's more the issue than just definitely. the people being yeah. like. Hmm. I try to nip that in the bud at the beginning of yeah. the joke, but it's like it's very hard to talk about yeah. an issue like that and not come off. Preachier. You guys like guns, right? <laughs> yeah. but Preachier like, <laughs> or, or presumptuous or something or like that. Or flippant or callous. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, that's part of the fun, though, is just like kind of like navigating that minefield almost. Guns are in the news again, you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey. <laughs> oh, right. Cool. Um, so, yeah, material coming from life. I mean, that makes sense. So you, you won FPIA before. It seemed like you were a little bit casual about this or have you is this all made you more serious about comedy as a career yeah uh I, yeah as a <laughs> i have a weird uh view on it as a career it, it seems like that's so I, I can't i don't it's hard for me to think in things like that far ahead or in terms that big i usually just set really small goals for myself and I've I've been achieving those but uh, what's your next goal uh, moon tower I want to do moon tower Uh, hell yeah Uh, I feel like you'll for sure be put on the Austin whatever this coming year that'll be cool yeah I hope so Um, and but in terms of taking it more seriously I've taken it more seriously and that I've definitely like spent my own money to go travel to places just to for to do comedy there, mm. Where have you which been? I feel like is a big step. L.A. I went to mm-hmm. L.A. for a week. Uh, I'm planning on New York, um, and I feel like you know 
it would have been stupid to do that a year into comedy and it definitely <laughs> wasn't something I was thinking about doing, but it is something that I, I've definitely putting way more effort into. I've turned jobs down now because I'm like, if I take that job, like when I worked a lot on movie sets, those are like 16 hour shifts yeah. and, so, and a lot of the shifts will go overnight. And it's like, I, I won't be able to do stand up for a few months if I would take that job. Mm-hmm. And so I've turned down jobs. So in that aspect, yeah, I guess I definitely have gotten more serious about it as a career. Yeah. I still feel weird saying career, well, but I, I feel like it's always it's something I'm gonna always do. But it's it's such a hard thing to make a living doing. You yeah. know, it feels like such a far away thought. Definitely, just like oh, how can I make money and pay for health insurance yeah. and tell jokes? Because to me, definitely it's like marry someone with health insurance. I'll just yeah. say that. Yeah, to me, it's like trying to make a living being a painter or like a ceramicist it's it's like yeah yeah there's people who do it but do you know anyone who does that and you can't like apply for grants in being a comedian like you could for a visual artist yeah yeah but of course you could pursue the writing end of things or at least especially like you know a lot of people are doing stand-up and the writing and then they're still always hoping to make stand-up more of a, a lucrative thing I feel like a lot of people hurt themselves by maybe, and this is coming from a place of ignorance, definitely, but maybe too early being striking out and being like, I'm quitting my job or I'm just doing a (laughs) shitty CVS job because I'm going to be a comedian. I feel like that can really make you hate comedy and make your material be more reflective of your disdain for for things now that you fucked your whole life up. Yeah, I guess like, yeah. that is possible. Embittered comment. Yeah, I mean, y- y'all are young enough that you also have more time to explore, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so don't take that for granted. Yeah, I feel like it's, it's not too hard of a... I've definitely had arguments about this with other comics. It's not too hard of a thing to have a job you don't hate and then do comedy at night. Most jobs just are during the week and don't, yeah. and end at five you can you can be not a miserable person and do stand-up yeah. most almost <laughs> yeah. all your stand-up dates are going to be on the weekend at night or during the week at night yeah exactly. so you can find jobs that accommodate that and and most jobs you can sit there and think and think about joke ideas it's i don't really see the i feel like there's a i i don't personally don't get the whole like nope i need to quit and I just need to do all these shitty shows that pay a little bit so I can, you know, sleep yeah. on an air mattress or whatever. I feel like that's such a weird way Unless to Unless you're going to be like yourself. traveling around. I mean, I can't remember who it was that we talked to who they were young enough. They were in college or something. They were able to not have a job for the first year or so. But that, and they were able to just go out every night and go out late. So they were also not only doing comedy at, at mics every night, but also like hanging out and talking and, and yeah. you know, networking, if you will, but also just getting to know people and building relationships and that that is actually really valuable. But yeah, if you're young enough and, and, and privileged enough to have that experience, that might work uh, pretty well for a while. But then I think even whoever that was, was like, well, and then like a year later, I had to get a day job and, you know, yeah. you, you start doing it. Like, but you, as you say, whether it's a nine to five or if it's like, 
you know, I have the juice land thing where it's a few days a week mm-hmm. in the morning. And then I have a bunch of other things that I do to supplement. Because I do like having weekly time. I mean, here we are on a Wednesday yeah. afternoon recording podcasts. Yeah. So then once you start adding in podcasts and also like promotions and well, meetings. And I am recently unemployed. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I would not be. Here. <laughs> yeah, we're taking advantage of. Thank God you got fired. So we can have yeah, you. we get to do some sweet podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I do all the podcasts. Yeah, I do want to put an asterisk next to everything I say in that there's definitely no. I'm not telling. I'm in no yeah. way speaking from a point of authority like this is, is the right way to do that. Implied in the title well, of the podcast. Definitely, I do agree with your point though. Like the idea that you have to like be a miserable sad person constantly hustling and grinding that's a romanticized oh absolutely yeah yeah. that idea of comedy of being that kind of comic it is like you're saying like a quick way to be bitter (laughs) yeah it's also it's so funny like how how worked into like the zeitgeist that 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 a cliche of a comic is where everyone every person their second week doing open mics has the joke where they're like, well, I'm a comedian now, so I guess I'm depressed now, huh? It's, yeah. it's weird being depressed. Uh, yeah. Or they'll have the bit about how you're supposed to be a depressed comic. Like, that's how ingrained into it it's gotten. You're depressed right. and you're bad with the opposite sex. Yeah. Yes. Bad with it. women? Uh, <laughs> bad with my family. I'm just, I'm not, I'm not a people person. Because that's where my life's at right now. <laughs> I can't wait till, you know, when we're old and we're going to be quoting rap songs, huh? What? How crazy is that? And I know I have blonde hair, blue eyes. Wouldn't Hitler love me? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm Hitler's wet dream. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh, that's a good one. Man. It gets played out so many. That person should make a t-shirt with their very original punchline. <laughs> Hitler's wet dream. Oh. If it I, were actually were a picture of Hitler masturbating, I mean, that's pretty funny. I think he likes that getting pooped on. <laughs> Hitler's wet dream is just like shit. I think right? you're thinking of Trump, but maybe. Um, <laughs> He's hey. German, so you're probably right. Also yeah. the guy who invented McAfee antivirus. Really He's like this rich guy who got exiled <laughs> and he went to Brazil and there's numerous prostitutes interviewing that said he had a special hammock set up in his room where there was one hammock above the other. <sighs> And the prostitute would get in the top hammock and then just shit onto him in the bottom hammock. Do you think that's how he got the idea for antivirus? He was like, oh, Oh, no, this is all post-antivirus. He's also like the top Call of Duty player in the world, which is really weird. Yeah, what's his name? Ethan, you know who I'm talking about? Dude. His name's like SirMcAfee.com. Sir? He has .com in his name or something. SirMcAfee.com. Wait, Ethan will pull it up. Is Sir... Like, was he knighted or was he it's just like really crazy. into BDSM? He's just like, my name is Sir. I like the hammock thing because it's like just the tiniest bit filtered, you know, <laughs> just the yeah, <laughs> tripping through. Is it a fine mesh? Like a trap door or something. I think yeah. he had a, a hammock with a hole in it. Yeah. Oh, it's wanna... a trap door hammock. You were trying to think of like a Play-Doh. Yeah, he lives in like imagery. a compound in New Zealand or something. Oh my God, New Zealander. Oh. Or somewhere that doesn't extradite. Do you know, is, are any cool names coming up? Something.com? I'm loving Kim, all Kim. these Kim. pictures. Kim.com. That's who it is. Kim.com? Oh, Maybe it's not the McAfee Kim. guy. Kim.com did like Pirate's Bay. Some tour. Oh, Pirates okay. Bay. So sorry. I apologize to the Sir, McAfee Sir Empire. McAfee. We didn't mean to <laughs> Maybe you don't like Sir getting McAfee. shit on. I'm thinking of Kim.com. Probably Kim. they com. do too. I think most rich people like getting pooped on. Yeah, I think From it's like a, heard. like a CEO thing. Yeah, the ones who especially like they know that they're ruining the economy and everything. Like mm-hmm. they... Uh, 
Yeah, they worked their way through the other kinks. Damn, and, uh, dude. Rest in peace, LaShonda Lester. But she had I that know. bit about about when she was a pimp in uh, yes. in Detroit. All the head of the auto, all the like head automaker guys had the weirdest. Kinks yeah, she said it was out. the one. Well, she said that once you wanted them to wanted her to describe or actually poop in their mouths. Um, <laughs> not, she didn't do it, but she, the ones who were into that, she said it would always turn out that they were like kind of bernie made off like yeah. like type people who they knew it was try clearly a way to disperse their guilt which i mean that is exactly what i was always hoping you know when yeah. they make fun of poop sex people i'm like oh you are a horrible person who needs help and really needs to repent of um ruining people's lives out of your greed yeah mm-hmm. i assume all poop sex people but if you're into poop sex and it's not because you're a horrible person do write us at leading the blind podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> that yes. is that is the social democracy that I have in my head. That is the social democracy utopia that I envision under Bernie Sanders is mm-hmm. rich people getting their mouths shit in. That's my plan. No yeah. redistribution of wealth, nothing a, like that. You yeah. can be a rich guy, but someone's going to shit in your mouth yeah, so anybody, anybody who wants to have more than, let's say, like $20 million, you have to agree that we're going to poop in your mouth. Yeah. But then the problem is they're all into but it. we choose who poops in your mouth. Yeah, it's going to have yeah. to be someone ugly with a really gross diet, processed foods and stuff. Because yeah. a lot of those people are into it. I don't want that. Well, there's like vegan raw diet people. Yeah, it's mm. going to be a very non-free-range human. Very, like, Man, just a gross. This podcast is great. We did full loop back to putting your mouth on genitals for money. No, you're not putting them on him. You're you're laying in a hammock no, no, no. underneath. I, I want them <laughs> okay. to put their mouths on. This is my <laughs> utopia butthole. we're talking about. Okay. <laughs> suck, the, suck the poop out of the butthole. The person's not even going to be pooping. It's just you're going to have to This already sounds it. like one of your bits here. Yeah. yeah. It's like a, it's like a Ouroboros, like just a snake eating its own tail kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, or just like that movie. Um, it's a perfectly, centipede, a, human perfect, centipede. a perfect efficiency, a perfectly efficient machine. Oh my God. Like, <laughs> have y'all watched that movie? No. I have those movies. I've watched parts of them, but I can't, I can only go so long. Um, but it, it is so funny. <laughs> I just, I just, I just the fact that someone made that movie is the is the most important part. Oh yeah, for I sure. I don't mind that so much as I mind any scene where a character is about to publicly embarrass themselves, oh. like by giving some sort of heartfelt speech. Oh yeah, or, that's a problem. Yeah, I always have to like stand up and like walk around the room for a little bit because I was like, yes. they're gonna say some shit. It's gonna be real. It's so funny. It's like, yeah, I can't take horror movies. You can't take that. Like my wife can't take like curb your enthusiasm type of discomfort like we all have the thing that we can't <laughs> i love career th- i love i love watching self-sabotage although it's every cool. now and then it is <laughs> so cringe cringeable okay um well let's let's uh start getting into the lightning round because it's later than i thought it was Ooh, uh, I apologize oh uh oh go on i had a, I had a quick question because we were talking about this outside um so since like since the um FPIA since you were crowned uh, and like you said you've been getting booked a lot more do you feel like whenever because I'm sure it's like always the disclaimer or the credit given to you whenever they bring you up on stage like it's mm-hmm. always Enzo FPIA I, I love phrasing as a disclaimer rather than a credit though <laughs> guys listen alright it's isn't gonna be for everyone well I mean like do you feel like that sets up like a weird level of audience expectation for you because in certain cases yeah if it's at an open mic i will ask the host please do not say open mic hosts have been doing that absolutely (laughs) i have i say please do not say that when you bring me up because that definitely does set a weird 
tone yeah. with an audience to be like, yeah. oh, yeah? Prove Don't it. Don't do credits at open mics at all. If you're listening, hosts. Yeah. So weird. Especially when you're trying out new material. That. You're like, this is in workshop. We're supposed to be all, yeah, you have to have a safe space to take risks. And if you can't do that at an open mic, then where can you do that? Yeah, definitely. But there are other circumstances where I think it definitely establishes credibility or oh, trust sure. with an audience. If it's like an audience that uh, how do I, is not like a normal stand-up audience, then it can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Like I opened for a band recently, and they had someone come on stage and say, like, this guy was, was the funniest person in Austin. And I think that definitely put people in the right yes. mindset. Yeah. It, it shows it doesn't, doesn't bother me so much. But yeah, yeah. It, it does. I have definitely seen. Okay, yeah. Here's a great example at at theme shows or like gimmick shows. Okay, I, I it's it definitely will set a weird tone with the audience because it's like like uh, I've never done low and inside, but I would definitely ask them please. I mean, there's no way they wouldn't bring it up at low and inside, yeah, but like yeah, a yeah. show of that nature because then it's it's not my comfort zone and it does create a weird space with the audience where they're like, okay. You're the funniest person. All right, let's see it. And you're like taking yeah. these risks. You're yeah, doing and I'm taking you're not these sure risks. About and, and I guess it all comes back to that. Is right. where can I? Don't do it if I'm taking a risk. Well, you don't want <laughs> you don't want that to be announced, and then you're like demonstrably like not the, one of the best on the show. Yeah. Because then it's like so. In case you're like, well, maybe these low and inside jokes will go well, but I might be you know <laughs> like just uh, doing okay tonight and if that's the case then it's yeah super embarrassing Absolutely. and it makes the rest of us look bad because if you're the yes, funniest it does you know what does that say about the rest of us <laughs> it cool. says that there was one night a couple <laughs> months ago that some people really enjoyed didn't have as good of a Oh, I don't even want to say that it says that there was a contest once that some people didn't have Enzo, Enzo paid the judges off. Okay, geez. It's, you don't have to make this complicated. I am Kim.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has all been... Um, all right, cool. Uh, you're into poop. All right. <laughs> so, I know we kind of asked these questions when you were here with the boys, but I think I've changed the questions some since then. And also, it just feels like you probably didn't get as much time to answer. Sure. So, what is the best advice you've ever been given about comedy or about comedy careers? Uh, no one will get you booked as much as other comics, mm-hmm. I feel like is important. So, you know, have relationships with other comics. Be nice. Don't be shitty. <laughs> yep. I guess is a good piece of advice I've gotten. <laughs> yeah. Um, you ever had a problem with another comic? You have beef? I don't think so. Uh, good job. I've, no, I guess not. I've I've been pretty good about biting my tongue about people who I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, I mean, and it's also definitely majority of the cases. Like, I just don't think they're funny, but I think they're a fine person. Right. Yeah. There's no when people are just not funny. There's usually no point in being mean about it. Yeah. Although it was the most fun thing. <laughs> Shame. Um. So if you could go back, like, to when you started doing comedy, which was not that long ago, uh, what piece of advice would you give yourself then, like, for your personal growth? Um, would you do anything differently? I 
I guess I'd just go out more, go to more open mics, be more disciplined about writing, uh, ask for help more. Tell us about that. What In what way would you have liked to ask for help? Just like if I am have a bit that's not working or something like that, don't be... Don't see it as a point of pride to ask someone like, hey, uh, this isn't, do you see what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Definitely don't bother. It, it can also get to the point. There are people who do it too much and it just gets, yeah. it's a bother. It's like, no, I'm not going to watch every one of your fucking sets. <laughs> yeah. I'd say more, if you, have a, if you have a specific question, don't be, try to make your question as specific as possible. I've found with myself to ask someone else because if you're too vague about it, then people just be like, I don't know. Just keep trying it. Yeah. But. That's very true. Yeah. But if you can say, hey, I have this one joke I'm wondering about, does this seem offensive to you? Or I was wondering yeah. if you could help me think of a way to word it, you know, where the punchline lands better or something. Then I see, I think people love giving that kind of help. Most people, I think, love giving that kind of help. Sure. You're asking them for advice, and it's also something very specific that they can think about. Yeah. Plus, it's flattering because you're like, yeah. hey, they, they like what I do. Totally. Mm-hmm. Good, good, good. All right. So um, I, you, you were enthusiastic about this last time, but so I'll ask again. Is there anything else you would like comics to stop doing? Uh, having shitty shows. Yeah. Can you tell, talk more about that? Uh, yeah. If no one's coming to your shows, just, just don't do it anymore. <laughs> just... Just say, oh, that didn't work, and then just stop doing it. Or, you know, if people aren't having fun at your show, if the comics aren't hanging around after the show, it's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't, if you're just some person who decided to be a comedian and thinks that's the route to take, instead of going to open mics, is just doing your own show stop you're not good there's no way you're good at this yeah you shouldn't be the only way you get good is through experience um i'd say that and oh another thing that i feel like is huge right now that is pretty obnoxious is uh writing point of view first Mm. uh punchlines never well i mean yeah or like sprinkling in a punchline but Mm -hmm. having the joke come from i need to make this difference so i need to write this joke to teach these people a lesson and then being like but then you know i'll I'll add like maybe a laugh here or there that and then on the the opposite of that i you see a lot too i feel like a lot of people are imitating the ari shafir the bill burr model which Mm -hmm. i think is I think they are fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I think I'll, you'll see it a lot of open mics where people will say something wildly offensive right. up top and then be like, but by the end of the joke, I'm going to win you guys over. Right. So, yeah. they'll, you know, be like, I don't think Asian people should be allowed to come to this country. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Hold yeah. on. And then like four minutes later, you've made a point, but it's, but sorry that this coffee shop in east austin you kind of lost yeah, yeah the girls wearing septum rings the three people in the audience who were all girls wearing septum rings yeah. kind of didn't didn't trust you and your four minute and your new comedy enough to go along with you by by the end of it though if you listen it's actually right. a progressive point by right. the end of it and it's yeah. like i feel like a lot of people will do that where they'll at the beginning just be like i think uh i think babies are all retarded <laughs> Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, yeah. okay, here we go. Yeah. 
did you know in Finland? Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think a lot of those times, those uh, a lot of comics will assume they know what the audience is thinking or feeling, and then they respond to that, and it's like, mm, you don't necessarily know what they're thinking. That thing where, like, okay, you can do it in a joke way, where I'll say, I'll say something and I'll be like, no, I know what you're thinking. And then you clearly say something that obviously they sure. weren't thinking that's in your, that's, that's a certain kind of joke. But then if you're just like, no, I know you're offended by that, but it's like the person's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. You know, the audience yeah, yeah, yeah. where they're like, no, you guys didn't get that. But if you got the reference, it's like, don't know. And some people like do get it. So you're just kind of shooting yourself in the foot where it's just like, you're like, in case you're offended. And like right. no one looks offended. Like the other day, so I heard a comic tell, it was a, a pun. It's not a very good pun. And then she was like, oh, that was too much for you guys. Oh, oh that's where you draw the line. It's <laughs> like, no, they didn't favorite. laugh because it was a pun that wasn't even that clever. <laughs> it did not offend anyone in this room. I, I love that so much. Watching a comic go, no, no, okay. I know you guys want to laugh. Too far. I know too you want to yeah. laugh. You don't think it's okay? Because yeah. it's like, no, if people are going to laugh, they're going to laugh. There's no... <laughs> No one. This isn't that weird. A weird like. Yeah. If you let's just that's a rule of thumb though. If you made a pun and people didn't laugh, chances are it's not because it was offensive. No. That's probably not the reason. I have a question, but I forgot what it is. So it's one of one of my things. So let's take a cookie. A <laughs> yeah. I'll enjoy that cookie. Um, I can ask it. Yes. Um, so you get to change one thing in Austin with a magic wand. What is it? Um, About the comedy scene. Please, no jokes. Sorry. Genuine responses. Yes, yes, yes. I'm thinking. Uh, I guess another more. Uh, that's a really hard one. I, I don't know. Maybe can we skip that and come back to that one? <laughs> Maybe it'll um, come up. That's the last question before endorsements. Oh shit! So. Okay, so no. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I don't know if I I would. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I'm gonna take an I don't know on that one. Okay, so you don't want to change anything in Austin other than people doing shitty shows and all these other sorts of things you already said. I mean, Austin's being pretty good to you, to be fair. Yeah, I do really like, I, I really like Austin. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I wish I had a, I wish I was quicker and better at thinking of something like that. That's okay. It's all right. So, so now we're going to do endorsements. Yes. Um, all right. And, and we're, I've changed it to endorsing a comedian um, instead of, you know, any random ass related thing. So, um, Brett, do you have an endorsement? Uh, yeah. One of my favorite, um, comics is dylan morin he's an irish comedian dylan morin yes d-y-l-a-n and then the last name is m-o-r-a-n mm-hmm. he's got a very like freeform eddie izzard kind of style mm-hmm. where it's like really fly by the seat of your pants you don't know where the punchlines are coming and where the story's going but you kind of just ride the wave lots of very like quick smart jokes um very witty uh, but he's one of my favorite people to watch. Uh, super physical, always on stage with like a wine glass and a cigarette. I love it. I like that. Mm. Um, okay, sorry, I was trying to find. I know I started adding a bunch of stuff to my comedy I like playlist on Spotify, which I should just share that on the Facebook page. Yeah, I think that people would really like that. So what I've been doing, because I t- tend to listen to 
the comedy that other people on the podcast have endorsed and some of it I like more than others and so like these are really just like follow up endorsements to, for me to second other people's endorsements yeah this is like a boost it's a boost yeah so I finally listened to the Anthony DeVito um, album that somebody had recommended and I'm sorry that I don't remember who you are whoops um, and I think he's only has one album on Spotify anyway so it'll be easy to find and I will say you know, it all depends on your mood, but the first track or two, I was like, eh, this isn't going to be great. And then it got really good. So do give it a chance in case you're on the fence in the beginning. Or I'm an asshole and you'll love it from start to finish and my bad. <laughs> all right, Enzo. Uh, Tim Dillon. He's a comedian in New York. He's a gay Republican. And he's just really has a weird point of view and a weird way of looking at stuff. And he's very, very, very clever. And uh, I've, he's not very political. And uh, I just, his podcast, anytime he's a guest on a podcast, I always listen because oh. he's very cutting and can be very mean. And he's he's very, very funny and very, very clever. I and think guest on podcast is a good thing for him because i actually recently tried to look him up and it was hard to find that much of his stand-up yeah i actually online. don't know if i've ever listened to any of his stand-up now that i'm saying that but just always as a podcast guest. yeah well, always as a podcast guest, he's hilarious if you go to the laughable app you can just search his name and that way like every podcast he's yeah. been on will come up which uh, our podcast Shout is also laughable. on nice. laughable um and yeah it's interesting i can't remember if it was M.K. Paulson or Dave Ross, who's oh, I, one of them, was telling me about him, and because it was like a really popular Instagram, or I think I think it was an Instagram post. It was like something he wrote that was like, yeah, his yeah. Did you see that was really good. And it so was then, very good. It was the response to after Louis got in trouble. Yes, people saying that his comedy wasn't good. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen the Tim Dillon Instagram post about Louis, check that out as well as um, him on podcasts on laughable or wherever you find your podcasts yeah. cool and then um, let's promote some stuff who has something to promote this should be coming out thursday the 21st um so if anyone has anything timely or if you just want to promote something online or whatever that's cool uh i will be doing stone versus drunk versus sober uh this friday the 22nd the 22nd yes at the new movement theater that's going to be at 9 30 p.m which one are you going to be i'm going to be team sober try something different i well i was i was super uh stoned the last time but that was also the same night that jake Rowe busted his head when he got really really drunk yeah um wasn't i also drunk that night I, yeah, you were there. I was blacked out. That's right. I remember. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I will be doing the year in review with Ariel yes. on the 28th. And me. And Enzo. Enzo. Mm-hmm. But we're on the same month. Oh. She yeah. didn't mean to we're, not include you. Gotcha. Yeah. Team January. Team January. January is going to kick, what, you got July or something? Yeah, July. Is it really? No, but I want you to bash July so I can go psych November. But you just made a lot of enemies. (laughs) Fuck you, July and November. What? And everyone who's telling jokes on them. Um, This is not a contest, Ariel. (laughs) Yes, it is. It always is. January will win. No, I don't know. January is a fucked up month. Not that that any of them weren't this past year. (laughs) Sure. It's been a rough year. 
Yes. Um, and Indo, do you want to plug some stuff? Uh, Gross Lonely Boys podcast on Body Tape International. What, 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 what? Um, also, really liking Lie, Cheat, Steal on Body Tape International Studios yeah. Records. Yeah, I started listening to that, too. It's mm-hmm. very good. Uh, wait. That was I wasn't on that. That wasn't really an. That was more of an endorsement than a plug. <laughs> Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, just gross, lonely boys. Cool. Um, all right. Yes, and definitely check out my gender fluids podcast if you haven't done that yet. If you're into gross and fucked up shit, again, do Always. not listen to it if you're not. Um, and we got some Christmas. Okay, on Friday the 29th, uh, I'll be on live at Cold Town. Uh, and then on the first on New Year's Day, I'll be doing Shit's Golden at Spider House. Ooh, that'll be fun! Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. And then yeah, come to Fifty First Jokes. Seriously, it is. If you haven't been to the Fifty First Jokes show, uh, it is such a fun show. It's always packed at Spider House, and it's just really fun to hear everybody tell sort of one-liner jokes. A lot of comics who don't normally tell jokes like that, you get to see them and. Um, it's an uproarious time. Yeah. Plus, it's like a great like little slice of the whole Austin comedy scene because it's fifty comics. Oh yeah, I was just thinking. Oh yeah, 50, here is your year in review. Fifty first jokes, right? Year in review on the twenty eighth. Also yeah. at Spider House, right? Yeah. Also at Spider House. And then on the third, it's the fifty first jokes, right? Yes. Yeah. Do y'all have your first joke written yet? I try and wait till the actual day and then write it that day so it is real fresh. Although that is the most stressful thing. Oh, you do to that do. on purpose. I do that on purpose. I just do the one that I haven't told on stage before. That's my rule. Gotcha. Because I get upset at people who I'm like, I've seen that joke before. You've been telling that for three weeks. Fuck you. But Yeah. And so it's like, oh, yeah, definitely did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not on the show. Oh, you're not doing Fizzero? No, I'm going to be out of town. Oh, well. But I probably would do that. Yeah. So your your assumption isn't wrong. Cool. Take that. You know, November sucks. Enzo sucks. Whatever. July sucks. It. July sucks. All of it. I want to redo my endorsement. Endorse Enzo <laughs> presents. Um, yeah. He's better than Ariel's making him out to be. You're wearing an impeach Enzo shirt that right now. That's also true. <laughs> <laughs> How many of those shirts do you own? One. Oh, okay. I, I also, know if you had this like. This one was set on fire too, so it's not even that good anymore. It's got a story behind it. Yeah. It's good character. It's good character just like you. Hey. Thank you, Ariel. I'm just kidding, you know. <laughs> you have no character. Damn it, you keep tricking me. <laughs> Alright, cool. Uh, wait, what are we calling our listeners now? Uh finger, finger, finger fuckers. Yeah, bye bye finger fucks. Finger fucks? Finger fuckers. Yeah. Finger fucks. Finger fucks. Thank you.